Welcome back to the Mountains and the Sea. I'm Christy. This is Josh. We're so glad you're back with us today. Today, we are covering... Clocks. (laughs) Clocks. Clocks. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. What time is it? What time is it? (laughs) The time. And this is their second album, but the first time that we have covered them on this podcast. Yes, because we have covered the 1999 album a couple episodes ago. And then last episode, we covered 1999 album videos, B-sides, and outtakes. And now we're on to associated artists, the first being. That's right. The time. The time, Morris Day. And Prince, essentially. And Prince. And a bunch of people credited who didn't have a whole lot to do with the actual album. That's right. <laughs> they toured in support of 1999, but weren't really there for... This was just Prince and Morris in the studio on a shoestring budget. Yep. Yes. All right, let's talk a little bit about the time, since this is the first time that they've been on our podcast. Not that they're here, because they're not. No, they're not. But <laughs> I, did, I did check, but they weren't here. Oh. You, you checked the house to yep. make sure they weren't I looked here around. before we started recording. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't find any of them. Not that's, a single one. That's good. Well, there is a long and detailed history of the band that I'm not going to regale you with. But if you'd like to read it, it's on Prince Vault. It's excellent. I will post a link to that on our social media, which is on Twitter, TMATS, T-M-A-T-S podcast. Or on Facebook, The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast. Or you can send us an email, tmatspodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. Yeah. Um, I know we won't go into all the details, but I did want to remind you, since we did cover Dirty Mind a number of episodes ago, um, it was a song from Dirty Mind that led to the existence of the time, even though these were childhood friends, high school friends. Party Up, the final track on Dirty Mind, was based on a song that Morris Day had written. Right. Prince wanted to use it, offered Morris a choice of $10,000 cash. Which would have been a lot of money in the late 70s. Yeah, that or a record deal. And to Morris's credit, he said, I want a record deal. And Prince's agreement with Warner Brothers allowed him to sign, essentially, additional artists. So he exercised that clause to form the time, which essentially in the studio, like we said, was Prince and Morris Day. But the time as a touring band supported Prince during the controversy in 1999 tours and led to a large rivalry which is sort of chronicled in in Purple Rain. Yes. It was made up of a couple of Minneapolis bands. Right. Kind of merged together, added some members, lost some members. Flight Time and Enterprise were the two bands that had been around in the 70s that kind of came together to form the time, primarily the touring band. Yes. Yeah, so definitely talented musicians, but they were not exactly invited into the studio for input on any of the first three albums by the time. Right. Which I don't... I mean, they're great. Mm -hmm. I would have been interested to see, would it have been more interesting if they had been... part of it or would there have been too much conflict and fighting and i think it could have probably gone either way well good news is if you want to hear what it sounds like with their input you can listen to their latter albums where they actually do have input yeah so which is you great. can see how that goes so yeah the first three studio albums by the time were basically a front for prince's funky output even though yeah. morris would say it's not funk <laughs> uh, but it is mm-hmm. 
Um, their first two albums, uh, were actually their first three albums, were basically Prince on almost every instrument and lead vocals and or drums handled by Morris Day. Their first album, which was released 13 months before What Time Is It?, which came out on August 25th, 1982. I don't think we've said that before. We have not yet. Um, so it actually was released a couple months before 1999 was released. Mm-hmm. All band members got credit on the album. Prince's credit was as Jamie Starr. Right. Yeah, which I don't know how big a secret it was in the early 80s that Prince and Jamie Starr were the same person. I don't think it was a big secret if you followed Prince closely, but if you weren't familiar with Prince and happened to go to a Time concert or see one of their albums in the T section of cassettes or vinyl instead uh-huh. of, you know, where you find Prince, then maybe it was a little bit of a secret. Okay. If you know what you're listening for, it's sure as easy to pick him out. Although, if you're not listening for him, it's pretty hidden. It can yeah. be hidden. Yeah. That's fair. It's not the same persona as any Prince album up to this point. That's very true. Very different. It did commercially pretty well. It reached number 26 on the Billboard Pop Chart, number 2 on the Soul LP Chart, and it did achieve gold status. Pretty cool. So, good job, Morris Day in the Time. Yeah, definitely the most successful of Prince's side projects, you know, throughout his career, really came with this with this band and it evolved into a live band that rivaled him on stage yeah which created a lot of problems yeah. Prince didn't like being showed up well you, you know, don't say you don't say part of that also was he had invested his time into their album into the Vanity Six album into his own double album was rehearsing with his own band was rehearsing and directing the time was rehearsing and directing Vanity Six so you could say the guy with the most talent and hardest work ethic was maybe spread a little thin Fair. and left him vulnerable to be shown up, you might say, by members of the time who didn't appreciate not having as much control as they thought they should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would have liked to have helped him be spread a little less thin. Yes, let's make you more fat, Prince. <laughs> less thin. <laughs> okay. He wasn't having it. Let's dive right on into the music. Wild and loose. Can I I set the stage first? Sure. Describe it for us, Josh. Dress it. I'm I'm going to paint a picture for you, if you will. I'll close Um, my eyes. We'll have a little with the wavy lines. Yes. The music. That no one can see on our podcast. Uh That's right. Yes. But it's here. You just can't see it. Uh I can see it. Nobody Uh else can. I just wanted to set the stage by saying this album takes a lot of bold stances. I count at least nine, and I recite them for you now. Number one, we're against blue jeans. Number Mm -hmm. two, we're against keeping gloves in our glove box. Number three, we're against dancing in one place. Number four, we're against new wave music and new wave clothes. Number five, we are against television. Number six, we are against policemen. I don't know what police have done to Morris Day or the Time or Prince up to this point, but they're against them. We are firmly against not having a mirror upon which to gaze upon ourselves and our fat stacks of cash. Number eight, we're against stepping on Morris's shoes. And number nine, we're against referring to women by their real name. Okay. And with that, we can start talking no. about the music. Now that we know what we're against, let's see if we can find some things we're for. All right. Well, All right. we're for we're women for who are wild and loose. loose. That's how it's got to be. That's the only thing I know. <laughs> yep. That appeals to me. 
So it's clear what the name of this album is from the very beginning of this song, where Morse calls out, What time is it? Mm-hmm. What time is it? Um, and we launch right into this song that is essentially about, would you say, groupies, women who hang out and follow the time? Yes. Um, you have to be during... a certain kind of woman to be a accepted yes you do yes you there do. are some women that are not part of the party there are criteria right if you do not meet them by being fun at parties i think is basically yes it and not having a lot of inhibitions about what you wear mm-hmm. or That's what like you that. do i think yeah and uh not being a saint because there's nothing mm. in between yeah good or bad exactly yeah This was uh, one of the few songs that actually had some input by yes. somebody other than Prince. Des Dickerson wrote who, some of the lyrics. Right. Who was not part of the time, Who was by not the way. at all part of the time. Right. And who yep. would leave shortly yes. uh, of his own choosing. Uh, but yes, those were his lyrics and Prince's music. That's how it all worked out. Yeah. and But it was credited on the album to the time. Yes. It did get sampled by... Public Enemy's 1990 song, Power to the People. I had forgotten about that. So, there you go. I had completely forgotten about that. <laughs> so, even though all these members of the time are credited on the album, but don't appear, you know, he, members of the time are mentioned in the lyrics, talking trash to Jimmy Jam. Mm-hmm. Even though Jimmy Jam was nowhere to be seen. Yeah, it didn't matter. This was just Prince building his own universe. This is like the second stepping stone Mm -hmm. in, you know, building this band after an initial album. Yep. They had a opportunity missed. How so? Right here in this name. What time is it? Uh It should have had the underused and underappreciated glyph called an interrobang. Oh, yes. Which is a question mark, exclamation exclamation point, merged. merged. Yes. So that you don't have to put... Exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, question mark, <laughs> or vice versa. You have one little symbol yes. that well, it, it indicates both interrogation and mm-hmm. exclamation. <laughs> right. I think that it was clear that Morris and Prince were very, they had educated themselves, at least on current events. Yes. I don't know how into grammar and interrobangs they were, though. <laughs> Probably not much. No, but uh, as somebody who only learned about an interrobang within the past year or so, right? I look for all opportunities to 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 use not to reuse it, but just to understand that it could be used. Yeah, and sometimes I'm sad. When I put the exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, question mark, that I don't have all this time. Oh yeah, three whole keystrokes. Right. I thought the sound on this was really similar to the family. Like the first 30 seconds, I could totally tell that the family later became Mm -hmm. a replacement for the time. Okay. That things he would have written for the time is what ended up on the family album. Well, that makes sense. It is a lot of the same same folks involved, for sure. I was going to point out in the middle of the song where we kind of get a split screen of two different sides of a conversation, Mm -hmm. a group of women who have just seen the time perform on the left channel. And on the right channel, we get Morris Day and his boys talking about how great the show was and that this 
woman approached them and was asking Morse questions. And he's like, well, what can I say? You know what I'm saying? Because he's so cute. <laughs> the lady called me out last night. She said, Morse, you would be so cute, pretty fine, handsome, whatever. <laughs> and then we have this poor sap of a man who enters the left channel to politely ask Vanity and her friends, hey, what's going on, girls? Would you like to go out tonight? And they respond to him with not only no, but get away, jerk. Hey, 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 what's happening? You girls want to go to party tonight? Oh, beat it, jerk. God, get away. But what did he do to be a jerk? He was very polite. He wasn't as cute as Morris Day. He was not as cute as Morris Day. So <laughs> the, then the girls see Morris Day and Vanity says, Hey, look over there. Time, the guys from the time are right behind you. And the other girl asks, Should I say something? Are you serious? <laughs> no, I'm not. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they left that in, that it was kind of like she misspoke. The guys from the time are right behind you. Are you serious? No, I'm not. Look, I, I mean, yes, I am. Yeah. And corrected herself, but they didn't well, I don't know edit it, it or I don't know if, if it was, was a mistake. It was probably well, planned. I mean, she's so flustered that yeah. you know he's present. But I like that it was. It had that natural kind of feel to it. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, and then once she approaches Morris and says, "You talked me on. You talked to me on the phone last night." And Morris says, "Well, you don't look like you." No, she they, instantly uh, takes offense. That yes. made me wonder what his face looked like when he said that because it could have been a compliment you, or an insult. What? Yeah, you don't. You don't look how you sound. Well, you sure don't look like you sound. Well, excuse me. It's okay. It might have been a, a nothing, a compliment, an insult, a just, you look different than I pictured you. Right. Well, Obviously, clearly it came across as offensive because it immediately turned into the worst concert she'd ever seen in yeah. her life mm-hmm. after being the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Um, Funny. We, we, get a, we mentioned Party Up when we opened the, the podcast. There's kind of a Party Up chant at the end of the song with the fellas where the party at right here under your shoes. Yes. That Fellas, was yeah, what time is it? Time to get wild and loose. Very fun. There's a lot of this song makes it uh, as a good case in point of you can have a lot of repetition and it doesn't have to get old. Right. Because I lost track of how many times the words wild and loose are recited and how many times this chant is done. There's a lot of res- repetition on this album that is somehow doesn't get old, doesn't get repetitive. To me. Yeah. Anyway. That's fair. Which I think is interesting, especially since it's only a, what, 38-minute, some-on-second album. It's relatively short yeah, and six, only six, six tracks. tracks. Yeah, yeah, just all three of their first albums were six tracks and right around 40 minutes. So you said it was Vanity, and that some of the stuff I read mm-hmm. said that the two women who were talking were Susan Moonsey from Vanity 6 and Apollonia 6. Right. And that the other woman was Kim Upshur. Okay. So she was someone that Prince had had a crush on right. and gotten his heart broken by yes, once right. upon a time. Right. Okay, thank you. Uh, I'm glad. Um, she's purportedly the inspiration for Still Waiting from mm-hmm. Prince's second album. Mm-hmm. She died in 2015 from a brain aneurysm, and it's believed that Prince paid for her funeral. So yeah. they he had a crush on her. She broke his heart. They still became friendly and evidently remained at least friendly mm-hmm. until the end of her life. Yeah, you're absolutely right about yeah. that. Okay. My mistake. That's fine. I also think that we get 
a lot of insight as if we needed more into Morris's personality, uh, where he sings, Don't worry, baby, I can keep a secret for as long as snow is white. Don't worry, baby, I can keep a secret for as long as snow is white. Hey, Jesse, come here, man. Guess what I did last <laughs> night? He is... He is no, a gossiper. He, well, and he's a horn dog. He Just is. an absolute player. There Everybody is, yes. in this band is playing the character of a player. They're playing out of their league a little bit because, I mean, members of the time are not super famous at this point. Even Prince at this point wasn't ultra famous. So it's playing a part a little bit, I think. But yes. Well, I hope so. There, there is an arc Because Morris Day seems like a very nice man. I think he's a w- nice man. <laughs> and... I I hope that he's not quite the player that he... That I hope that his actual character is different than the oh, yes. character that he plays. I think you've got a lot of a, you know, onstage and studio persona. I agree. Here, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but that's what made the time work. That's what made it fun and funny and funky, as Morris would probably not yeah. like you to call it. Funky. There's a synth breakdown mm-hmm. in the middle of this. Yeah, very it's cool. It's light and some like over the top guitar. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. And Prince would return to this song a little bit in later years. In 2011, 2012, he released some rehearsals that blended Days of Wild and Wild and Loose together. And it was called Days of Wild and Loose, mm-hmm. which is pretty neat. Yeah, um, we listened to that yesterday. It was pretty did. cool. Yes. What a party at! So this song kind of ends abruptly, yes, um, and rolls right into seven 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 ninety three eleven. You know whose phone number that was, right? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Tell us. It's Des Dickerson's phone yes, number. He had to change his phone yes, number. He was not he, amused. He was. Not amused. Although he did get a heads up. Prince called him and said, Oh, really? Hey, we're in the studio and we need something that rhymes and we're going to use your phone number. So <laughs> he knew about it, but then the song took off a little bit, reached number 88 on the U.S. pop chart, but number two on the Billboard Black chart uh-huh. in 1982. It was the first single from the album, preceded the album's release. And it was the highest charting Prince song since I Want to Be Your Lover in 1979. Pretty cool. So it did get some airplay enough so that uh, you know people would call Des's house and ask for hey where's Morris or what time is it and hang up <laughs> poor Des I know you, you begin to kind of feel for the guy and why he might have decided to leave <laughs> this song was credited to Morris Day on the album right well, um, his song. I read that this was another instance of Prince borrowing Jesse Johnson's stuff yes where per- Jesse had commented about Prince used uh-huh. my $179 Hondo mm. Strat to play the chords on 777. That's why the guitar sounds so nice and dull, because it was cheap. cheap. Yep. <laughs> Makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I can see why Prince would want to be using 
other stuff to give this a little bit of a different sound from his own right. albums, uh, which it definitely does have a different sound from any album up to 1999 anyway. Yes. Justin Timberlake sampled this in his 2003 song, I'm Loving It. I'm loving it. Didn't know that. There you go. Well, we just saw Justin Timberlake. We did. In, ta- in, in town. In January. With, with family. Went with a couple family members who uh, really wanted to see him. Had awesome seats. Yeah. And it was good. It was it, very it good. Was good. It was. I'll have to go Man, back that was the, to that. maybe the biggest, like, arena concert I've ever yeah. been to. Yeah, that it was, was like, like a the Super most. Bowl show. It really was. I mean, the stage was enormous and super long. I mean, this is like a huge arena. Yeah. Like 25 of... or 30,000 people holds this arena. Yeah. And I, the stage was enormous. And there were, it was live music too. A lot of uh, musicians who had played with Prince on tours and Justin yeah. Timberlake's band. And of course, he did the tribute to Prince at the Super Bowl a couple years ago mm-hmm. in Minneapolis. So. so, Justin Timberlake's opener was Francesco Yates. And he did a tribute to Prince at the concert that we went to in January of 2019. He sang Diamonds and Pearls. Right, and and played a yellow cloud guitar. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And Mm -hmm. there's a little video of a portion of that on our Facebook page, if you'd like to see that. Yep. We digress. These people were not born when 777-93 was recorded. (laughs) And Jessica Yates is a very young man. (laughs) Yes, he was. (laughs) So the Lindrum part of this was sometimes at one point thought to be just this incredible drumming by Prince or and or Morris Day, but is actually a stock beat in the yeah. drum machine that Prince embellished. So Pretty he did cool. add parts that drummers still have trouble figuring out today, and a lot of live drummers use this as a you know a test of skill to try to play this. Uh-huh. Um, well, it's you know the machine can play things in ways that it's difficult for humans to replicate. Oh yes, it can, <laughs> for sure. This song is so, yeah, so I mean, this is a pretty, I don't think there's a lot to dig deep into as far as lyrics go. Morris is chasing a girl again, looking for a phone number. There's lots of sexual innuendo in this song. Yeah. He sings, oh baby, please, can I come tonight? Uh-huh. Well, and he asked her for his phone number and is so fast because he wants to see her tonight. And, oh, by the way, she's with someone. Talk about some chutzpah. Yes. You know? Uh, yeah. You know, be I've got to be cooler than this cat you're sitting with. <laughs> yes. You know i got to be cooler than this cat you're sitting with. I thought it was interesting how he would have preferred a very forceful and definitive rejection. A slap in the face. Yes. Rather than just kind of blowing him off. Right. I don't know if that was because he would know where he stood or because he would have respected her more with a more forceful rejection. Or as he says on this album many times, he doesn't have time to waste so he could move on to his next interest quickly. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He's a very busy man. Morris Day on this album. Mm -hmm. He has places to be, things to do. Yep, and then there was a really some awesome guitar. Really just like wicked guitar at the end. It was great. Yes, super long guitar solo that goes on for minutes by Prince. Yep. 
Now, this song is popular. Yeah. It has been popular for a long time, but I think it's maybe a little less top of mind than it was in the early 80s. I think 777-9311 would make an excellent fake phone number. If you're looking to give out a phone number in a oh, club, most people someone, wouldn't, that's true. wouldn't, wouldn't know. Get it. They wouldn't get it. It's not like 8675309. That's true. It's, that was which came out like the same year, too, yeah. by the way. There were all these phone number songs that you know came out together. Yep. So no area code here. This is before you had to dial an area code and the full number mm-hmm. to reach someone. All right. Then we have One Day I'm Gonna Be Somebody all squished together. All squished together. All squished together. Um, on Prince Vault, it does say, it makes mention of that, that it's not known why this particular song is run all together, but it's assumed that it's because of the fast-paced delivery of the song, mm-hmm. which I think is... Pretty well, he told he told us how busy he was. Here it is. In this is seven 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 ninety three eleven. Yeah, he doesn't have time to waste on a girl because he's trying to make something of himself. Well, he spent a lot of the first two tracks on the album talking about how awesome and cash flush he is. But the very first line of this song is, "One day I'm gonna be somebody. One day I'm gonna be rich." His, uh, maybe he doesn't have a lot of cash flow, but mm. he's got a lot of cash. <laughs> Cachet. Cachet. <laughs> yeah. This was the B-side to The Walk. Right. And it's truly like a Morris Day work ethic song, which I actually was kind of surprised to hear some of the lyrics. Or he's not afraid to get down and dirty and do the work to reach the status that he wants to be, which I think is very cool. He was a young guy at this point in right. his early 20s with Prince. Right. One, uh, The only way I'll work at a car wash is if I own the whole damn place. But if getting to the top means washing a car, I'll be scrubbing with a smile on my face. I thought that was great. He was willing to work at the car wash, but only if it was going somewhere. He didn't want no dead end jobs. Yes. No dead end jobs. All uh, part of a process to get to an ultimate goal, which I thought was pretty mature for a fairly goofy, immature first two songs, you could say. Yeah. This had a kind of rockabilly sound. Very much so. Delirious or horny toad. Yes, I wondered um, if you would appreciate that because I know those, that's not your favorite kind of thing. But Prince oh. had an obsession with this kind of music at this time with uh, Jack You Off, the last song of mm-hmm. Controversy, Delirious, Horny Toad that you oh, mentioned. Oh, I like the rockabilly. Song. I just, I didn't like the rockabilly and Delirious being the A side and the B side. No, I, would, I wanted a. Something different. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, this is definitely cut from the same cloth uh, as, as those songs. And Prince plays every instrument on this uh, song. So if mm-hmm. you want to hear some live Prince drumming, this is it as compared to the previous song that was a, a Lindrum program. <laughs> I think the uh, allusion to a child's prayer was kind of interesting. If yeah. I should die before I'm rich, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Uh-huh. Yes. I thought that was fun. But if I'm rich before I die, I want to work because nothing comes cheap. Yep. Yeah, 
he's got his eyes set on uh, luxury items, but wants to do the work to get there. To so it's them. not entitlement or anything like that, or because he was born cool, mm-hmm. which is kind of a different twist on how we've heard Morris refer to himself. Yep. On other songs, the very this song ends with a record scratch, and we don't like new wave. Mm-hmm. Where the song kind of sounds like new wave music yes. to me, very much so. Oh, yes. <laughs> which is why it was so funny, which is yeah. why Morris Day cackles. Yes. <laughs> exactly. It ends with Prince and Morris laughing. This was the first part of the album that I can remember saying, oh, wow, that yes. is, that's totally Prince. Ha 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 He's kind of got his nonchalant <laughs> dork laugh going on. <laughs> I liked that he said, somebody bring me a mirror so uh-huh. I can look at my cash. I'm like, uh-huh. his face is his is the moneymaker. Oh, you thought it was? I thought I'd, it was because he carries bills in his trench coat. Oh, no, no. I think that his face was his moneymaker. Okay. The cash is yeah. his face. And he's going to work at the car wash. Okay. Because he's going to own the car wash, but uh-huh. he's also going to be the dude on the stage because his face is the money maker. Mm, he could be the poster boy for car washes. <laughs> face. Okay. <laughs> this was one of my, you know, things we firmly stand against on this album. Yeah. Not having a mirror. You know, it was, that was the shtick was Jerome Benton would bring Morris a mirror so he could comb his hair and make sure he looked good. Because that's his moneymaker. Okay. I'm telling you, man. All right. All right. Then we have The Walk. The Walk. Which was a single. Yeah, the second single from the album that came out about three months after the release of What Time Is It? Mm Mm-hmm. It was believed to be recorded in January of 82, but Mm -hmm. they did find Mm -hmm. a two-inch tape in the vault dated July 1st, 1981. So this may have a longer history than we were previously aware. Right, and that could have been, I mean, they haven't said what was on that tape. Was it this exact song? Was it an early version of it? This was all found after Prince's passing, and they drilled into the vault to get it all recovered and start the sorting process. Did we mention that this reached number 104 on the U, on the Billboard Pop Chart, which was not a success, but Is it did reach... Is that worth mentioning? Well, <laughs> 104? I just did. Yeah, 104. Uh, so it didn't even reach the top 100, but it did reach number 24 on the R&B chart, Fun. Um, which was a success. And like you said before, the B-side to the song was... The song we just talked about, One Day I'm Gonna Be Somebody. Mm -hmm. Amazing that there's only six songs on this album, and many of the song singles are backed with another song from the album. So if you'd bought all the singles, you've almost owned the album. (laughs) (laughs) You're missing missing like one song. Yes, that's it. That's it. Boy, on this song, Morris wants our attention. (laughs) Yes. Yes, he does. We get into a lot of Morris's personal fashion tastes in the song, even though it's about a walk. But we know that he likes to wear baggies, loose-fitting clothes, mm-hmm. zip, snap, and drop. Who? Me? I wear baggies. Zip, snap, and drop. Mm. Uh-huh. Before you have a chance to holler, <laughs> stop. Before you get a chance to holler, stop. <laughs> stop. Messing with your pants or stop doing... I don't know what, what we're going to Oh, I, I think the... Uh, before she can yell yes. him, tell him to quit it. Yeah. Put that thing away. 
Because certain parts of him like it's like his freedom. Yeah, his Rolo. Is it Rolo, Rocco, Robo? I, I thought it was a Rolo, like, you know, the yeah. Rolo candies. Yeah, I know what a Rolo, like a <laughs> Tootsie Roll. Robo likes his freedom. But like oh, Rolo. Yeah, it's a different yeah. candy. Besides, Rolo, Rolo likes his freedom? Is that what I he think says? that's what, that's what I thought he called okay. it. Like I've, I've listened to it Like it was like times. you, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's not make this the reason that we get Morris Day to respond to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when uh, Morris and Prince both have their own little character that they turn into to start talking. Morris has like a white man's voice when he says, The days of dancing in one place are gone. The days of dancing in one place are gone. And then I'm pretty certain it's Prince and his Jamie Starr voice that comes in and says, hey, Baby, you know you can't dance with them tight jeans on. And, and honey, you know you can't dance with them tight jeans on. <laughs> very very funny yes he's sort of an adorable creep uh I mean, yes yeah i mean i think in this day and age in 2019 oh if this, this would come out fly. this would not fly at all but considering when it came out and the fact that it's all done a little bit in jest and there's oh, a cuteness to it campy and you don't really think he's a predator. Right. It wouldn't fly now because it would seem predatory. Uh, yeah, but anything back even, then, even, even imitating predatory behavior would be inappropriate shown. now. Yeah. Yeah. But we can look back at it with nostalgia yeah. and say, oh, yeah, he wasn't really. This was he wasn't all really made up. Yeah. Too. This, yes, exactly. This was all fiction. Yeah. This was for fun. Yep. Yeah. Very much so. I thought uh, the military marching cadence was interesting. Uh-huh. Up, two, three, four. Up, two, three, four. What the hell are we fighting for? Walk. Um, you know, and then like, out Tel Aviv too. Do you hear Morris says oh, Tel Aviv in one of these in, in like the second chant over? It's either Prince and Prince or Morris doing that chant in the background, and Morris says the words Tel Aviv. Oh, I didn't notice that. It's interesting. Yeah. But yeah, it's got a, like I said, a kind of a military vibe to it where he says, attention, everybody. Mm-hmm. And so, and then there's the, the call at the end or throughout the song that's very military ish. Yep. I love that he calls out his Stacey Adams shoes. About to walk a hole in my Stacey Adams. Yeah. And there's memes going around the internet now. You know, Bruno Mars basically dresses like Morris Day in the Time he from really the does. early 80s when the meme says, you know, no one will ever know where this all started. <laughs> <laughs> well, I looked up Stacey Adams because I wasn't really super familiar. Uh-huh. And I thought, no, they must be very expensive. They're not terribly expensive. It's just a unique look for they, a black and white shoe for They're a man. very stylish. Mm-hmm. And they currently... Have a chalk blue wingtip Oxford. Yeah. Fierce. I could see it being like the updated Morris Day look. They were fantastic. Mm-hmm. I kid you not. Cool. About a hundred bucks. Not not ter- I mean oh, not gosh. cheap, but not yeah, terribly but for, expensive. Like, dress shoes for yeah. a man. That's reasonable. Yeah. Uh, we also have a call out where Morris calls everyone Polaroids. All right, you Polaroids, <laughs> yes. stay in time with the drummer. Like, they're poor copies. I thought that that's the case, but then I started thinking about it more, and Polaroids is a term Prince uses on the very last track of his very final album. He calls out people as Polaroids. So I went looking, like, is that a... 
Are they just cheap copies of other people or in Urban Dictionary anyway? Oh. I mean, I went searching on Urban Dictionary because I figured you've probably given up. <laughs> it but, did never occur to me to even go look up Polaroid on Urban Dictionary, but do tell me what Urban Dictionary has to say. Urban Dictionary says the meaning of the term Polaroid is actually authentic and can't be manipulated which is why modeling agencies used to use Polaroids to represent the authenticity of their client's beauty. Oh. So it could be a compliment also. Well, that's interesting. I hadn't even really thought of that. Like, you're beautiful and nobody can deny it because right. you can't Obviously Photoshop not. the... Well, nobody was Photoshopping anybody <laughs> no. in 1982. But yeah, exactly. Very uh, difficult to manipulate a, a Polaroid. It's, yeah. you know, shot and you get to see reality so i thought there was like in seven 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 ninety three eleven there's a very long guitar solo by prince towards the end of the wall morris kind of calls out stuff on top of it like fuzz tone and rock city and rock city Prince plays a portion of Jingle Bells at one point on guitar. Mm-hmm. Which is a lot of fun. Conversation between Morris and his love interest and him trying to talk her into taking her jeans off uh-huh. and putting and something else on. I read was vanity. Was vanity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Do you always keep <laughs> lingerie in your glove compartment? Do you always keep lingerie in your None of my women wear gloves. None of my women wear gloves. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And then we hear the first instance of Morris calling a woman Grace. Yes. Hurry up, Grace. I think twice, right? Yeah. Yeah. His fun play on words when she says, yeah, but. He says, but my ass. Hey, (laughs) play on words. (laughs) But my ass. Hey, play on words. So, like, it you gets shake a your laugh out of me every time. Yeah. I know it's yeah. it's like such a dad joke. So but this is like where yeah, a, it is a dad joke, <laughs> but kind of inappropriate. Like a, a dad joke for dads of teenagers. That's right, a, a dad joke for adults. Uh huh. I thought here we start to I start to give credit to Morris for not being quite as superficial as he appears in the first half of this album, where uh, obviously this lady is fuller figured than he expected when he gets <laughs> the jeans off of her. Uh-huh. Uh, but he sticks with her. He encourages her. Uh-huh. And she says, how do I look? And it's the nicest compliment Morris can give to anyone when he says, almost as good as me. Yeah. Okay, how do I look? Almost as good as me. Now let's go. I was like, okay. That's cool. And he, yeah. he doesn't abandon her. He says, you know, meet me at the bar in 32 measures. Uh-huh. Okay, how do I look? Almost as good as me. Now let's go. I thought that was very charming. I thought so too. Yeah. Um, I mean, also, for a scoundrel. For a scoundrel, yeah. <laughs> there's also another little spoken uh, word part by Prince here where it's like an Italian guy who uh-huh. sees Morris yeah, and Vanity where he says, hey, Maurice, who's the <laughs> lovely lady? Introduce us. <laughs> What time is it? Who's the lovely lady? Introduce us. Morris says, I'll introduce you to a headache if you don't get out of my face. I'll introduce you to a headache if you don't get out of my face. (laughs) It's very much like the exchange they have in Chocolate when Prince plays the waiter. Yeah. Morris is trying to get some food. Yep. Yeah, very playful and very fun. That's fun. 
Then we have a ballad. The only ballad. There's yeah. not a lot of room for a ballad on no. a 38-minute album with six songs. <laughs> yeah. This is it. And this is actually... Gigolos Get Lonely too. And this is a song that showed up on... Uh, we had our HomePod just shuffling music for us, and uh-huh. this showed up a few weeks ago, and you asked me, what is this? I kind of like this. Uh-huh. So I wondered if you still did after oh, listening yeah. to the song a few times. Um, this was the album's third single, and I, I Don't Want to Leave You as the B-side. It was released in March of 1983. I remember being a kid and having this album on cassette, and before I ever listened to it, I remember trying to read this, and I'm like, what is Gigolos? What is that? <laughs> Gigolos. Gigolos. <laughs> It's not Guy Golos. No. Come on, little Josh. <laughs> That's all right. You didn't know. Oh, I didn't know. So Morris Day is on vocals and drums. We have Jesse Johnson on guitar and Prince on all other instruments. So this is probably the most collaborative, collaborative. song on the entire album. Mm-hmm. I think Morris continues his trend of becoming less of an adorable creep on the song, and he becomes more honest and open and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Here that, um, you know, it's not all about... Oh, I don't think that there was... It was dishonest on the other songs. That's a note I have for the end. Well, I'm not saying it was dishonest, but I'm saying he's being more honest. He's opening to say that even though right. this is how I come across by my own choice, you know, I actually need companionship also. Right. And yeah. um, that's important to me, too. He's a sex worker. Oh, yes. But he's also a therapist of sorts. He's a player with emotions. Uh, yeah. That's yes. right. You know, that's part of what he's, what his service is. It's not just the carnal. It's the mind. The mind. He's, deep he's providing. Oh, yeah. There you go. The gigolo soul. <laughs> I love the song. I thought, um, I did not used to like it. I remember being much younger listening to this and thinking, oh, why do they have to throw this slow song in here? I don't want to hear this. <laughs> um, but it's actually really good. Morris's singing, I think, is really good. Yeah. It's got a great voice. Oh, yeah. Especially for this, this type of song. We see a common theme that we have seen from Prince before. Mm-hmm. He has lots of money. Yeah. And what he wants is somebody to talk him out of doing mm-hmm. what makes him all the money. That's right. He wants a long-term commitment from someone who will accept him for who he is. Uh Yeah. The other stuff is great for all the fun songs that we need to write and produce and sing about. But this is probably more close to... I think reality lies closer to Gigolos Get Lonely 2 than to Wild and Loose. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Agreed. It's perhaps inspired by the 1980 movie that sent Richard Gere into stardom, American Gigolo. That was kind of when the term Gigolo really came into popular culture and was used widely. Mm -hmm. So, Uh, But definitely describe the kind of character that Morris Mm -hmm. is playing throughout this. Right. Era. Then we come to the final song on the album, I Don't Want to Leave You. I Don't Want to Leave You, what time is it? <laughs> but we've come to the last song. Yep. So the, although this this song wasn't released as a single, it was a B-side, it did reach 42 on the Billboard Dance and Disco Top 80 chart, which yes. was kind of calculated by tracks being selected as DJs. DJs would send like paper ballots back then and as like songs they were playing that weren't singles. And mm-hmm. so there was a chart that kept track of that. So that indicated this was a popular song in, in U.S. clubs. 
clubs, which makes sense. Yeah. The time had a kind of a cult following and for a DJ to be able to identify a song that people might not have heard as much and it's it's long like mm-hmm. a lot of the songs on this album. Pretty cool. Yeah. It was not only the B-side to Gigolo's Get Lonely 2, but was included on the 12-inch single mm-hmm. of The Walk. Right. So if you bought the 12-inch single of The Walk... There were a lot of ways had, to get songs from this album You had then. three, you had half the songs of the album. Yeah, you sure did. <laughs> it struck me listening to this again how much this song sounds like 17 Days, the B-side oh, on Purple Rain. Okay. So you can sing along with it. You can do the la, 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 uh-huh. la, 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 la. You could do all of that to this song. Huh. I think they are connected at the I didn't notice hip. that. And I, I didn't notice it huh. until we started revisiting this album. See, and but, I thought this one sounded a little more 70s than the other tracks. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, we're going to have to play 17 Days, which doesn't sound 70s at all to me. No, me um, either. That's why I'm very... Hmm. I hadn't made the connection, because yeah. this one, of all the songs on the album, had definitely the most 70s sound to it, which makes sense that it ended up on a disco chart. Yeah, that's true. Here we have Morris coming even more full circle from the beginning of the opening track. We find him devoted and supportive. Tables are turned where he sings, One Night to Hold You Just Ain't No Good. One Night to Hold You Just Ain't No Good. As mm-hmm. opposed to the kind of one night stands that he's looking for in Wild and Loose mm-hmm. and uh, 777-9311. Right. Very I thought different. it kind of harkened back to the like Dirty Mind era Prince mm-hmm. where she's fast and he's okay with that. He's okay yeah. to not be the only man in her life. He is so enamored with her. He just wants to be a part of her life even if he's not the main attraction. Yeah. Well, the, the woman is definitely in control on this song. And yeah. As opposed to Morris chasing a defenseless woman, maybe in the first half of the album, here we have a woman who's in charge and know what she wants, and he's chasing her like a puppy instead of a predator. Like, whatever you want, whatever you want. I'll just do it. Uh You want me to roll over? I'll roll over. (laughs) Scratch my tummy. (laughs) I don't think that's what he wanted, scratch. Um, All the songs on this album I thought were kind of bald in their honesty they were lovable players Mm -hmm. but they were players and they were telling you exactly what they wanted just in different ways yeah it's very straightforward and like i said you know a lot of prince albums there's deep meaning and something else to uncover Mm -hmm. and that's not to say that's not to say this is a shallow album because it is well done (laughs) but um as far as the overall message is abundantly clear i'm cool you should be with me yeah and don't wear jeans. Don't here's, wear jeans. here's some lingerie from my glove box. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> then we have a B-side. The yeah. B-side to 777-9311. The only B-side that was not already an album track. Right. Grace. Yep. Um, which is basically 777-9311 playing under Morris being interviewed and slightly abusing verbally a female journalist. <laughs> yes. Uh, Brigitte. Harrington. Yes, it's a very fancy name. Yeah, for... well, and she says it, and she doesn't say Bridget. Yes, Bridget. We, Bridget. Yeah. I'm Bridget Harrington. Um, Grace is a generic term for uh-huh. a woman, kind of like Felicia. Right. Yeah. Yeah, another like, one is ca- Martha. Prince yeah. calls women Martha later and on other albums as well, mm-hmm. so Grace kind of falls into that. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I'm just going to call you Grace to keep yeah. it simple. And then he calls her Joni. 
Where's that? To the top, Johnny. Yeah, right. And then he gives her the most dismissive love ever. Instead of calling her by a name that's not hers, he's uh-huh. going to call her love. Sorry, love. Okay, so I don't really care for grace as a generic term for a woman in this. Okay. Okay, so whereas I find by Felicia uh-huh. very entertaining. It's that's more dismissive because you've proven that your opinion is not valid in some way. Okay. Whereas Grace is just dismissive. Nothing funky about being cool. Grace. Okay, but my name is Brigitte. Oh, I'm sorry. It seems your image has... He didn't bother to get to know this person before he decided her name wasn't worth knowing. That's true. So... I'm not going to argue with you. This is part of the superficial... Morris Day character who, oh, it's another woman uh, who's attracted to me or who I think should be attracted to me. It's another Grace. Yes. He does have some funny lines in here. (laughs) (laughs) I take it that you're fine. I take it that you're fine. (laughs) I've been told that many times. (laughs) Yes, I've been told that. He says, Funk is dead. And I'm like, yeah, sure, Morris. Yeah, that's, sure. that's more. Yeah, he does interrupt. The things that he's most interested in talking about is their style of music. She says, how do you manage to have such a funky sound? And he wants to make a point that what the kind of music they make is not funk, even though it is. Um, and then also clothing and fashion style. Uh-huh. He takes another stand against blue jeans and uh, baggies and, you know, No, staying. he doesn't take a stance against baggies. What did I say? Against baggies? I said he against blue jeans. jeans and baggies. Oh, no. But it's against not against blue not, jeans he's not for a, baggies. That's right. He's staying. pro baggies, anti blue jeans. Exactly. And, you know, he's for using his travel agent to stay at the hotel with the largest ballroom. Stay at the hotel with the biggest ballroom. She's not a very good journalist. She isn't. What journalist (laughs) says, is there anything else you'd like to add before we close? Or one that says at the interview, I don't think I like you at at all. all. I don't think I like you at all. (laughs) Well, no wonder he was a little pain in the butt to interview. You're terrible at it. Yes. Yes, he might have been a bad interview, but she was a terrible interviewer. Uh-huh. Agreed. And then she still gives him her phone number, which is, by the way, 777-9311. Yep. yep. And then there's an instrumental part from the album version that kind of fades us out to yeah. the end. So just a fun, silly yeah, side. For if you bought silly. the single for 779-311, then you probably were happy to have this on the other side it's the same song just a little extended yeah part of it it's funny so that's really all we have to talk about but however we're going to talk about one more song yes a surprise non-album track Uh a little bonus yep our friend of the pod hamish witta noticed that we didn't cover this song in our unreleased section so we decided, because we like Hamish, 
we wanted to go ahead and cover Lust You Always. Right. If you're not familiar with Hamish, he's an author. He's the author of a paperback book titled Prince, 50 Essential Bootlegs, which we highly recommend you get it. Absolutely. You can get it on the Barnes & Noble website, and you can also read more of his thoughts expanded from the book Mm -hmm. on his blog, Prince Off the Record, at princerecordings.com. Yeah, and Hamish is active on Twitter. You can ask him questions, and he's uh, super friendly and very open. It's been great to get to know him a little bit through social media. Yep. So we're happy to add this uh, non-album track to this episode since we did not include it in the last one. And the the reason that it wasn't included was, honestly, I thought we covered Extra Lovable, we covered Purple Music, you put those two together, and I feel like you get lost Mm. you always. Mm. Okay, that's fair. Overall. Overall. So it was recorded sometime during um, 1982 at Prince's Home Studio, Um, not known if it was considered for an album at any point and i did not know this looking it up well first of all the reason i think it kind of sounds like purple music is it has this kind of start stop lindrum beginning that Mm -hmm. is almost identical to purple music so to me it is like a kind of you took purple music and extra lovable and put them in a purple blender the song (laughs) is what would come out (laughs) what happens if you put them in a green blender you, you don't get anything. It doesn't work. <laughs> okay. Like oil and water. Okay. Just, just a, check in. Yeah, it has to be a purple blender. The fact that he refers to his analysts so many times in this song, I've heard the song hundreds of times before, never thought to, I mean, I always thought it was just kind of a weird saying, like, does Prince in 1982 have analysts? I mean, he, yeah, I don't, he I might be. I thought it was like his therapist. Yes, but he, but to refer to them that way, he doesn't do that in any other song. But I found out by reading that it's a nod to the song Twisted by Annie Ross from 1960. Mm-hmm. But it's like more likely that, likely that um, Prince heard it as a cover by Joni Mitchell, who he was a huge fanboy of. My analyst told me that I was right out of my head. He said I need treatment, but I'm not that easily Joni led. covered it in 1974, mm-hmm. and some of the lyrics refer to analyst and my analysts you know Mm -hmm. people who people who advise me is sort of you know how what it means right yeah he actually references purple music at one point Uh during this song yes and jamie star just play with his he can't he won't i'm sure yes which i thought was fun yes and Joni. As a, uh, wasn't his teacher's name? See my fourth grade teacher, her name was Joni. I want to Oh. And some of the yep. spoken word parts mm. that he has, the little spoken rap parts, Joni yeah. comes up also, which I think mm. is a reference to Joni Mitchell. Okay. I like the music a lot, I've got to say. It's a great, would have been a great 1999 track, upbeat uh-huh. and cool guitar work. Yeah, it's real raw sounding. Very, his very guitar, raw. I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you run into the same issues with this song as we did with Extra Lovable. Right. The issue of rape coming up, where he literally comes to a point and says, I will rape you if I must. I uh-huh. will force myself upon you yeah. if you don't give in to me. 
And the song's lyrics are a little bit about, you know, releasing himself from his own responsibilities. If this, That's fair. Which I think, you know, today, again, we're looking back at a song recorded 37, 38 years ago. But the you mentioned this, I think, as part of some of the songs from Raven to the Joy Fantastic, that it's a little off-putting to hear someone say, well, if you do this, I can't be held responsible for what I'm going to do. Right. So yeah. he's doing it in a way that's supposed to be, I think, kind of an interesting lyrical twist in the song, but it comes off a different way yeah. today. Predatory. So to his credit, Prince never released the song um, in any way, shape, or form, but did offer it to Robert Palmer yeah, which I in thought the was late funny. 80s. Yeah, he didn't copyright it. He recorded it in uh-huh. the early 80s. 80s in 82 we yeah. think but he didn't copyright it till 87 when he offered it to robert palmer yes refused which it. with some lyric changes i could kind of see yeah. it as a robert palmer song i'm like wow Agreed. that could work you know yeah. it kind of sounds like addicted to love that type uh-huh. of, of thing yeah with some well maybe with one or two lyric changes and i think it could it could have worked for, oh, yeah. for robert palmer oh yeah I can't stop this hunger. It's been going on for days. That long, Ooh, huh? Well, we know that Prince has a short attention span. <laughs> so days for him is, uh, you yeah. know, that's like measuring dog ears. It's months. <laughs> okay. So thank you, Hamish, for the suggestion. We're glad to touch on this song a little bit. And our apologies for not including it. In the previous episode, That's but right. there are other songs recorded during this period too. So if there's something else that you think we overlooked, Hamish or someone else, we're happy to include it in the next episode. Yeah, we do. do have another one focused on the 1999 era. Yes. All right. So that brings us to the point in our podcast where we follow a format. We have some rules. Yep. We pick a time capsule, something that exemplifies either the time that the music was recorded or when it was released, which is fairly close for these. So it's about the same time. The C, not necessarily something that's bad, but something that was our least favorite, the thing that spoke to us the least. Mm -hmm. And then our mountain, the thing that we liked the most about the material that we've talked about. Right. So your rules, you go first. Yeah, that's right. So my time capsule... Was Morris Day's laugh. Okay. Because it's so very associated with the early 80s, maybe more so after Purple Rain came out. For sure. But it just harkens back to that time when you hear it mm-hmm. with his cackling laugh that was so distinctive. That was my time capsule. All right. Well, my time capsule is equally snippet like okay it's the cat call at the beginning of the album where uh-huh. morris says what time is it he would use Interobang. that for <laughs> yes interrobang what time is it he would use that and continues to use it to this day yeah um, but this is where it originated yeah. as the title of this album that was named for something that wasn't a song yeah on the album it's very cool yeah all right the c just not my favorite. I Don't Want to Leave You was probably my least favorite song from the album. Really? That surprises me a lot. Really? Yeah, it's mm. one of my favorites. Oh, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah. It just, it's not, it's the one I won't go back and 
listen to. I will say at the end of that song, there's this weird, you know, the last 30 seconds, there's this weird little tempo change where it almost skips a beat and changes and then fades out that Mm -hmm. I never understood and couldn't really find any information about. But give that a listen, and that does bother me towards the end of the song. Mm -hmm. It's got this neat little groove going, and then it almost skips and changes a little bit at the very end. It's got more of a disco sound, which is not my favorite. So, mm. all right, yeah, can't wait yours? to can't wait to cover the first two Prince albums with you. <laughs> it, I'm sure I'll find something to like. You'll have to because these are your rules. <laughs> okay, <laughs> my C is just that. You know, the first time album was six songs and about 42 minutes in length. So my C on this one is we still get six songs and the album is under 39 minutes long. It just seems like with all the material Prince had that he was purposefully holding back a little, but probably just as much as he could do to give Morris his space and kind of stay out of the limelight and let Morris take center stage, even though it's said that Morris followed Prince vocal guides for these songs. Prince does hold back. He's in the background, but it is too short of an album i'd like another Agreed. song yeah you know six songs for an album is it's all it's That's, e, it's ep territory i was just gonna say it's an ep yeah all right and then the mountain yeah for me was uh 777 because it's funny it's it's less problematic okay in a lot of ways yeah it's just it's more fun i don't know I, I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. It's probably the song I revisit the most. All right. For me, it was the very same song. Oh, I read, excellent. I forget where I read it, but someone described this as the best song Prince ever gave uh, away. Yeah, I read that too, and which I don't agree with. I read that article just this morning, as a matter of fact. I would agree with it maybe before, maybe up to this point in his career, but um, I think the best song Prince ever gave away is easily Nothing Compares to You. Yes. You know, the, in fact, it became such a big hit that he came back and reclaimed it because of that. Um, but definitely this song is like a classic Minneapolis sound you won't go to a concert with Morris Day and not hear this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the peak of the mountain. Probably the easily the best song off of the first two albums by the time. Yeah. Great. That's wonderful. So before we get into what we're covering next time, let's just give a hometown shout out to San Antonio and the time because San Antonio has a unique place in the time history all right about this time of year too we're recording this podcast at the end of february 2019 in march of 1983 the prince came to san antonio to play the convention center with uh vanity six and the time and jimmy jam and terry lewis got snowed in in a rare blizzard in atlanta could not make it to the concert in San Antonio and Vanity Six would kick off the show and the time would normally play their music live behind a pink curtain and because Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis didn't make it Prince played Terry Lewis's part on bass during the Vanity Six set in San Antonio that day and Jill Jones played Jimmy Jam's keyboards for that show also which I thought was really interesting And then for the Times performance, Prince played bass offstage, and Jerome Bitten mimicked playing the bass during the concert. 
And Lisa Coleman played Jimmy Jam's keyboard parts for the time. Super cool. Um, and it's said that Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis were fined and later fired for missing the show. No one's crying anything over that. They did just fine. And they're still doing just fine. Yeah. <laughs> just fine. Yes. And have reunited with the time. Right. Um, for concerts and actually Prince tributes to. And they've mm-hmm. you know, both said in interviews that... It was a turning point in their career and, you know, it really kind of turned out for the best for everyone. Yeah. So that was interesting. So next time we're going to continue our 1999 era discussion by covering the album Vanity Six. It's Prince's first female group featuring Denise Matthews, Brenda Bennett, and Susan Muncy. Like this album, it's basically a Prince album with other people handling vocal parts. Yep. And we'll get into that in the next episode. Awesome. That sounds great. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with us. We know that you have a choice when you listen to podcasts. We don't just come on the radio. We've now talked about this time album for longer than the time album. So we appreciate you sticking <laughs> with us. <laughs> and uh, we hope that you'll join us again in a couple of weeks when we talk about the Vanity Six album. Wait, what time is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. We'll see you next time. Yeah.